Hey everyone, this is True Crime at Lunchtime, hosted by Lindsay and Kayla. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kayla. And we're work besties who love true crime. And this is a true crime podcast providing shorter episodes that you can enjoy on your lunch break. We don't have a lot of small talk to begin this episode this week, but we did get stickers in our first two designs out of three that we have done so far. The sticker order came in and we're actually going to be running a giveaway on our Instagram and Facebook. So we'd love for you to go check it out. We're really excited. Let us know what you would like to see these designs on because I don't know about you, Kayla, but I really want it on a hat. I want an embroidered patch for on my jean jacket. Oh, that's a good one. A beanie. A beanie, yes. A shirt, like a pocket with that on it. I oh, think yeah. it would be so cute too. I want like a croc charm with it too. Oh my gosh. Not the croc charms. <laughs> um, like I need a, another reason to buy another pair of crocs. No, really. They have so many, like, designs of Crocs. They have cereal Crocs. They have the Margaritaville ones. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> they have the Post Malone Crocs. The Luke Combs Crocs. <laughs> Everyone needs a pair of Crocs. They're so cute. My husband absolutely despises them. I think they're so cute. Okay, guys. It's time to pop last night's dinner leftovers into the microwave. And let's dig in to the McKay family murders. All right, Lindsay. So hit me with the three fast facts I need to know before we get into the case this week. Okay. So these crimes take place over the span of two and a half decades. The crime takes place in Arkansas. And it has a connection to another popular Southern case. I'm intrigued. Sometimes you might feel like the odds are in your favor, such as the odds of being struck by lightning twice are about one in nine million. Sometimes you might feel at a disadvantage, such as the odds of hitting the lottery twice are four in 10 billion. Although I don't know about you, but I would just take winning the lottery once. Sometimes even when we tend to consider the the impossible does happen. And on this episode of True Crime at Lunchtime, we discuss what happens when someone who is convicted of murder murders again. And the victims, all from the same family. Before we talk about the murder in this case, I want to introduce you to the victims. So when Robert Snowden returned from World War One, he made a purchase that would forever be a part of the history in this town called Horseshoe Lake in Arkansas. He purchased 1,000 acres of land and established a cotton plantation next to the lake about 30 miles from Memphis, Tennessee. All right, I need to see a picture of this land, of this, it's probably a mansion, honestly. It is. Let me show you what it looks like in more recent years. And we'll show the pictures on our Instagram of what the house looks like. Oh, I love that. It's so pretty. Oh my god, the staircase, the front porch. And the lake. I love that house. It's so pretty. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Worth every penny. 
1949, the property began a transformation into the historical Snowden house, the one that I just showed you, becoming a 6,000 square foot mansion where the couple would raise their children, one of which was named Sally Snowden McKay. Obviously, McKay was her married name, but um, for the purpose of the rest of the story, that is her full name. Her name just flows. It does. It's a nice name. Actually, her her name is Sarah, I read, but they called her Sally. So Sally went on and got married, had kids, got divorced, and then returned to the lake house after her father died to manage the property. So the house had 30 lakefront cabins on the property. And she was going to oversee this thriving family business. Um, She was also a CPA and ran an antique store. So she was quite a busy lady. It sounds like fun. We love a mogul. Running an antique store. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd buy everything. I was going to say you love antique shopping. I'd buy everything. That's the problem. (laughs) There were multiple family members who lived on the property and one of which was also Sally's nephew, Joseph Lee Baker. So he and his family lived on the property after there was a fire in their home. So this was, you know, a solution to that problem. Um, So I I think it would be cool to have this huge family historical property dating back all these years and just having different family members, you know, be a part of it and living there and working there. And I think that'd be so cool. My mind just goes to, I wouldn't have to see any of them because this place is so big. It is huge. Yes. Obviously Kayla's a little antisocial. No, we already knew that. (laughs) So in the fall of 1996, authorities were called to the Snowden house for reports of a fire. So once the flames were extinguished, they found two bodies. So this is just, things are going so well, everything's fine. And then bam, we're hit with this tragedy at this beautiful place. I already feel like I know what's coming. Let me take you then to the murderer. Let's talk about Travis Lewis. So Travis was just 15 years old. Yes, I said 15 years old. I can't even wrap my head around that. But we know that this is not the first time that we've seen the youth involved in heinous crimes. What he do is what I need to know. So um, he and his mother and his grandparents all lived on the Snowden property. His mother, Gladys, was actually a housekeeper for the Snowden house. And he is the one who was responsible for the fire and the two bodies found on the property. Now you're probably wondering, who are those bodies? And why would this 15-year-old boy commit these horrendous acts? Are you wondering that? Yeah, I want to know what the motive is. Okay, so let me lay this on you then. 
The two victims, one, Sally Snowden McKay, and the second one was her nephew, Joseph Lee Baker. This story starts out so crazy because we have this 15-year-old boy who has committed murder for whatever reason. They're not sure yet at this point, but he knew both of the victims. He obviously knew Sally as his mother worked on the property and they lived on the property, but he also knew Joseph Lee Baker because he was his English teacher at the high school that he attended. So you're probably wondering what happened on this day in the fall of 1996 that would lead this 15-year-old boy to commit these acts. Well, are you wondering that, Kayla? Yeah, I'm wondering. Okay. So I'm glad you asked because he was arrested on November 5th of 1996 where he pleaded guilty but maintained that he did not commit the murder. So... I don't know who his attorney was, but I don't know why they would let him plead guilty if. Did he do like an Alfred plea? Like they have enough to prove he's guilty, but he won't admit guilt? No, he straight up said he's guilty. But he said he didn't do it, but he admitted to doing it. What? Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. You're right. It doesn't. But I don't know. The motive, they believed, was that he broke into the house to burglarize the home and was caught by Sally and Joseph coming into the house. He shot them, took the items, and then left. So when it came to sentencing, the McKay family requested that the death penalty be taken off the table because at the time of sentencing, he was... 16, 17, I believe. I think at sentencing, he was 17. Um, And because he was so young when he committed the crime. But he did receive two first degree charges. The judge in the case, David Burnett, sentenced him to 28 and a half years for the murders and another five for the burglary and theft. So just a little fun fact here. In case you're wondering, um, the judge in this case is the same one who blocked the appeals by Damian Eccles and the West Memphis Three. I knew, I knew the name. Yeah, it was like a, a, a unique connection because I don't know if you remember me saying like a little bit ago, but this town is only 30 miles from memphis or 30 minutes from memphis so it's not too far but i thought that was a pretty interesting fact it's a fun fact i like that and you know we really stand for the innocence of damien eccles so he got 28 and a half years for both of them or for yes for both so they weren't, it wasn't like 28 years for one and then 20. No, 28 years concurrent. total. Yes. It doesn't even make <laughs> sense. Yet, if you know anything about the West Memphis Three and the appeals that Damien Eccles has tried to get to go through, you'll understand that this is an absolutely infuriating 
sentence from this judge. Pull shit out of nowhere. Yeah, this is not. I have like real ooh David vibes right now. <laughs> not cool, David. 2018. Travis Lewis was released from prison. That was not 28 years. No, Plus it wasn't. Five. No, it absolutely was not. So how did he get out? Did he appeal? Yeah. And you'll never guess who was at his appeal on his behalf. Was it somebody from the family? It was. Despite all of the family members that disagreed with him getting out of jail, there was one person there that was instrumental to his release. And it was Martha McKay. Martha McKay is the daughter of Sally Snowden McKay. And while Travis Lewis was serving his time in prison, she befriended him. She believed in forgiveness. And despite friends and family pleading with her to not form a friendship with the person who brutally murdered her mother, she did form this friendship and did want to forgive him. Martha, word of advice. Don't try to fix no man. Yeah. Don't do it. And I know this is not going to end well. Right. Because, you know, given the subject of this, this topic, you know that you can kind of see where this is going. And it's okay to have forgiveness, but I don't think you should necessarily show it in well, like a friendship kind of way and getting him out of jail. I think that forgiveness and what Martha did is a little bit different. So let's take a look at the case that we did recently. Was it Elise Paler where her family, mm -hmm. you know, said that they were okay with Royce Casey getting out of jail because he had reformed and they felt like he showed remorse. He showed remorse and, you know, but I don't think they were going to visit him in prison regularly and writing letters to him and calling him and stuff. There's a pretty significant difference. Yeah. But despite her loved ones pleads, she did form a friendship with him. And when he got out of prison, she gave him a job working at the Snowden house. So his mom was already still working there. Gladys who worked there in 1996 for Miss Snowden McKay. Um, she's still working there. Like how did she, how did people think this was going to work? I mean, Gladys had nothing to do with it. Um, she doesn't have anything. Well, she does have to do with her son, but her, his actions don't reflect on her at all. So I can see why she's still working there. But just to give him a job, like, where he literally murdered your mother, I... How can you show your face there again? Right. I mean, I was... When I was doing some research, I just couldn't believe that his mom still worked there. Like, I don't think that... She didn't do anything wrong. Like, hear me when I say this. It is not her fault, and she should not lose her job or anything because of these actions. However... I just don't think if that were me that I could continue knowing that my child had caused so much pain, but it's not her fault. I'm not blaming her in any shape or form. 
Yeah, it's just, it's kind of like a vibe thing. Like, it's just, things feel really off. Read the room, check the vibe. She apparently didn't read it very well because I would have been out of there. But sometimes you have to think about what their life is like. And maybe she didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. In 2004, Martha bought the property and renovated it and turned it into a very successful business including a bed and breakfast and a wedding venue like how lovely does that sound especially looking at the pictures Mm -hmm. like this is a premium spot it is so pretty they I saw a picture of the wedding and they had the white chairs up front and the little arch and then the bride comes down the staircase the beautiful staircase it is it is truly like a really picture perfect wedding venue And also just another little fun fact, the Snowden house was actually used as one of the scenes in the movie, The Client in 1994 with Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones. I know who they are. All right. Never seen the movie though. Well, to be fair, it was before you were born. It was. (laughs) So it was... March 25th, 2020, when police were sent to the Snowden house from reports of silent alarms going off. So when they get there, they find two people in the home, one dead and one alive. I'm just going to take a guess. Probably Martha didn't make it. So Martha McKay was found dead in the home and to law enforcement surprise, there was someone escaping out the window and ran into the nearby Horseshoe Lake. He ran into the lake. Yes. Hours later, the body was rescued and it was 39 year old Travis Lewis. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. You heard that right. 24 years after the first murder at the Snowden house, this one takes place as well. So three people have died on this property from the same family at the hands of the same person. That is so messed up to me that that Martha forgave you, basically gave you your life back when a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like, in our society, once you're in prison, it's very hard to come back from that, especially for what he did. And then the fact it's, like, from her daughter. But that is absolutely terrible. Yeah. And... How did she die? um, Some reports say stabbing and some reports say bludgeoning. So, So, So violent and personal either way. Yes. And you're probably wondering what would be the motive to this murder. He's nuts. Well, I mean, obviously he was not reformed and should not have been let out of prison. I think that goes without saying. But um, Martha had actually sold a elaborate chandelier for $10,000. And she had actually kept a diary, wrote in her diary that she sold it and where she stashed the money and who was there that day in the place. And Travis was there the day that the money was put in this specific place. At some point after the money was missing, 
and it was found out that he took the money and he was fired. Um, Gladys warned Martha that Travis was going back to his old ways. So she did have a heads up that maybe he wasn't in the best headspace or, you know, wasn't following the straight and narrow. I just hate that he like keeps trying to steal from this family that has done like everything for him. And not only him, but for his family too. I mean, they had given Gladys a job, her grandparent or his grandparents and his mom and him all lived on the property. I mean, this was a gorgeous property and to granted, I don't know what the financial situation was or, you know, anything like that, but it also just doesn't make sense that this family was so caring to this person and he betrayed them so many times. And just based on what I get from the Snowden McKay family is that even though they would have caught him stealing it, I feel like they wouldn't have reported it right? Like to authorities and he probably wouldn't have faced any legal repercussions for it, but Obviously, he's going to face legal repercussions when you um, stab or bludgeon somebody to death after yeah. they find out what you did for the second time. Absolutely. After he was fired, the next time that Travis returned to the mansion, it was to murder Martha. At the scene, they found a bag with several expensive items in it. So it's unclear if he went there with the intentions to just burglarize the house. Like the first time Martha caught him and then he killed her. Or if the burglary was a second thought and he had went there to kill her first and then was like, well, while I'm here, I might as well scoop up some of the goods. But I'm, I'm thinking maybe the first one. Yeah. Just because it is literally the same thing that happened 24 years ago. So messed up. Yeah. An autopsy was performed of Travis's body and they found cocaine, meth, and marijuana in his system during the time of the attack. He drowned in the lake, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So there were not... There was not just one person who died that day. There were two at Horseshoe Lake. The house was then put up for sale in 2020 and has sold and been taken off the market. It was a heavy one, quite the doozy. It was. When you came up with the theme for this week, I was kind of like, what? (laughs) But now that you told this case, I can see why you really wanted to do it so bad. Yeah, and... As I started doing some research, I started finding other cases that kind of fell into this category that I didn't even realize. And it is just, I don't think that most people could fathom being affected by this level of crime in their family, but to have it happen twice, it is just devastating. Devastating for all the people that knew the Snowden McKay's. It was a real heavy one. And bakers. And it did. The motive to me was shit. It was a far-fetched motive. Yeah. 
that concludes the murders of Mary Snowden McKay, Martha McKay, and Joseph Lee Baker. So if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Give us a review, stars, shares, likes, follows, all the things. Go enter our giveaway for our sticker giveaway. We're going to be giving um, two of our listeners two stickers each. So we're excited to have people out there with our merch in their hands. So exciting. And just shows us all the possibilities of the things that are yet to come for this podcast. Yeah, please enter because you know one day when we turn out big, you can be like, oh my God, I won their first giveaway. Look at this exclusive merch. The exclusive first set of merch. Yeah. And as always, work besties, stay saucy. Stay saucy.